Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for Muncie First Brethren Church with Pastor Jim Garrett. This week, Pastor Garrett finishes up our series on emotion. Anger cannot be the catalyst for our emotions, but instead, the Bible has great principles that help us navigate our conversations and emotions. Here's Pastor Garrett. And that's what we've been talking about is is the responsibility that we have as Christians to, to weigh out our responses, not be reactionary, but, but and I, I will say proactive, but basically proactive means we're taking care of what's going on within us so that when we're shaken, what comes out will be right. It will be a response that fits the moment and, and, uh, and actually is consistent with our identity in Christ and a reflection of that identity. So, but I want to finish that up today Next week, I think we're going to um, begin a journey through the Gospel of John. I don't think that's what we're doing next week. So uh, um, this week, I want to finish up this discussion of of, uh, reminding us of the power of our emotions, but specifically then this question of anger and its expression. And again, there's there's, uh, the biblical reminder that it's a very powerful emotion within us, there's a lot at stake when we get angry because uh, we, we are evaluating what causes that anger, but then we have to immediately begin to evaluate what we do next. Anger cannot be the catalyst. It cannot be the, 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 the fuel that, that fires our actions. It has to be uh, uh, the place where we evaluate, but then we have to respond based on what will be helpful and do the most good for those around us. Always this perspective of, of looking at those around us. That, that's, I mean, it's, it's weighty and, and, and certainly something that uh, um, it would be easier not to do, but it's always what we are called to do. So we want to see how that unfolds. We want to see how that is kind of unpacked in Scripture. So we're going to look at some passages in Proverbs that put the two together, the power of your tongue and the power of anger. What happens when we don't bridle the tongue in the midst of anger, then we only stir up more anger, more strife. It creates more problems. But when we are able to to do that evaluation and and go through the process of weighing our words and and what happens next, there's also power there as well to bring calm and to bring even uh, the, the right solution, perhaps, to that situation. And so we ask ourselves, do we act or react? The appropriate action, expressing your thoughts and feelings with restraint, understanding and concern for another's welfare. These are, this is the, the umbrella principle of, of what needs to go on in our minds, the questions we need to ask as we act and as we respond to a situation that may uh, stir up anger or emotion of some sort. This is what we have to ask of ourselves. And again, it's not easy. It's not something that, that is even, I'm going to say, it's far from being natural to us. The natural response or the natural reaction is that I'm anger, angry, I have a right to be angry, and then the words and the things that 
follow, flow out of that anger. And we always find that that's just about us. That just is something that will um, make the situation disintegrate, not, not get better. And the inappropriate reaction does that. It's expressing your thoughts and feelings in such a way that it stirs up more anger and strife and becomes the fuel for that kind of, uh, that kind of outcome. Proverbs 14:17 says that a quick-tempered person does foolish things. Foolish things here, the word for foolish just means they're not thinking about it. They're not rational. It's not reasonable. It's just the quick-tempered person is responding, reacting to the temper. And so the things that are done in re- as a reaction to our temper will be foolish. They will, they will lack the, the foresight uh, to make appropriate decisions. And the one who devises evil schemes is hated. And that's the one that, that kind of, it, it, it's not a contrast, but perhaps a, a, a different kind of anger where it's deep-seated and they begin to plan and devise to get maybe revenge or avenge themselves in the midst of that, and, and that will become the outcome as well. And then in Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict. How many of you could have written this proverb? <laughs> How many of you know someone that could have written? Let me put it that way. How many of you know someone that could have written this proverb. Exactly. Yeah, well, one person was honest. Allison raised her hand. I don't know who she's talking about. (laughs) Nobody here. It's it's a a reality that that the the person who is, again, and we know what's being described here. Person who is hot-tempered means that they they are acting out of that temper, out of that expression of anger. If someone gets angry about something and they're able to, to ask appropriate questions and, and respond to it or to the situation and, and then to, to get to that outcome, we don't call them hot-tempered. That's, that, but yet the same person that, uh, the, the, if those two people are going through the same exact situation, a hot-tempered person We know how to define them, and all they do is stir up conflict. But the one who is patient, the one who breathes, the one who is able to see and and understand the importance of time, they calm a quarrel. So this is in the midst of of that conflict, in the midst of the quarrel, that they decide to do this, to be patient. And we'll again look at this in James as well. And then one more passage from Proverbs, two more actually, This one, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Now, it's not saying that that a person who doesn't do that lacks knowledge, but it's that they're using their knowledge. To have it means that that it's in your hands. It's it's workable. It's something that is is having an impact. And when we fail to to keep it in our hands and, and allow it to work, then we, we use words that lack restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered, meaning that they are, they are not pushed, they're not, they're not prodded, that they're, they, they move themselves. They don't allow other things or other people to move them. And that really is, is what's one of the questions we have to ask. Who, you know, are we, are we one that... Uh, someone can identify and easily push our buttons. We all have buttons. 
We don't have to, we don't have to try to, to say we don't, but, but are, we, are we one where we wear those buttons here so that they're easily pushed and, and we're easily prodded? Um, we become reactionary when that becomes the case. And finally then from Proverbs 30, for as churning cream produces butter and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. So we can't demonstrate all of these except the middle one. So I was going to see if Matt would come up here and let me twist his nose until it produces blood. <laughs> why would I choose Matt anyway? That's dumb. Why, why not choose someone small enough? All he's saying is, you know, these things, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had your, your nose grabbed like that and twisted. It, it's not pleasant. It, 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 it hurts. And all, he, all that's being said here is that uh, the, this is what happens when anger is, is at work rather than that right response and asking those questions. So these are all lessons to say this is kind of undergirding and, and, and providing the, the basis for our discussion of being one who is proactive and then responsive rather than reactionary. So let's look quickly at this passage in Ephesians 4. There's a positive and a negative that deals with uh, um, all of these questions that we're asking. Negatively, it, in Ephesians 4.29, we're told that no unwholesome talk should come out of our mouths. This, this uh, idea of being unwholesome is, that's such a benign word based on the original word. How many of you remember a, a few years ago when I, I put the picture of the rotten fruit on the screens? You remember that, the putrid fruit? This is that word. This is where I use that illustration. This word says, let no, no talk come out of your mouth that's going to defile, corrupt, be putrid. And, and then the positive side of this is, so anything that doesn't qualify is that under this second half of this verse falls into that category. You say, well, I don't say things that are putrid or corrupting. Well, if you're not saying things that are building up according to the need, benefiting those who are listening, then it does the other. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to do, you know, that it has to be either or kind of scenario. I'm saying that, that what is presented to us is that in a situation where there's emotions and things are volatile, we have a choice to make. And our words are powerful. And when we weigh our words, and when we, when we start asking the question, is, is the, the next thing I say, is it going to be helpful for building others up around me? Or is it going to tear them down? And do I know their needs so that I can respond to them, so that my words can be a response to those needs? And will it give grace? Will it be like a gift? This, this word benefit, those who listen, it's, it's the idea of being graceful, that it's full of, uh, of what they need, and it, it's like a gift to them. That's a tall order. But it's appropriate because it understands, and even as we reflect on what we just read out of Proverbs, that as we take the time to do this, 
We are diffusing. We've talked about that word a lot in the, in the midst of these, these places uh, of emotion that we are to diffuse, that we're also, we're also to uh, um, approach those lies and, and, and bring truth to the, to the situation so that that can happen. And this is, our, this is our responsibility then to be aware of what's going on around us. And again, it doesn't say that you, you shouldn't be angry. It just says, don't let the anger determine what you do or say next. So from a negative side, don't, don't let anything that will be corrupting come out of your mouths, anything that would bring poison, but only what is helpful according to the need that it may benefit, that it may be a gift to those who listen. What will that look like for you? It's, it's clear that this doesn't happen by accident. We have to be intentional. This is why that Proverbs 30, you know, knowledge, this is, this is where we know ourselves, we know what is, what is making us angry. Sometimes we are angry and Maybe those around us don't realize that that's, that's what's going on within us. And so part of, part of what has to happen, and, and maybe quickly, might be something that we, we back off a little bit and, and take some time. As someone mentioned to me last week, said when they get in one of those situations and they're angry and they don't know quite what to do there, they have someone that they're, they, they would call an accountability person that they can go and describe the situation and vent, but not as a, as a response to anger, but as, a, as an attempt to understand what, what moved and led up to all of it. And, and I thought, that's great advice. That's great advice. Rather than trying to solve it on the spot, they actually didn't do anything more there. They said, I just got away, talked to this person, and, 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 and I was able to, to talk about what made me angry. Maybe that's the best help, is, is sometimes not saying anything at all. But whatever happens, we must be aware that we're not to tear people down. We're not to allow our anger to stir up more anger. He goes on to say this, to get rid of all the bitterness, that settled anger, the rage and anger that, that happened as a result of, you know, kind of immediately moving within the realm of emotion, brawling, fighting, and slander, along with every form of malice. Everything that, that just uh, it doesn't fit. We're to get rid of all of those things. Now, this goes along with what we're kind of the beginning process that, you know, if, we, if this is our mindset, when we are in the midst of, of emotional turmoil, if this is what we understand to be part of our responsibility, the getting rid of it doesn't mean we act like it doesn't exist. To get rid of something, you have to identify it for what it is and know what it takes to, to remove that thing. So we, when we recognize that we might be, and especially things like bitterness, if, if I have to get rid of bitterness, it means that at some point I did not get rid of rage and anger, right? That I, I let those kind of settle in and now it's grown into this, into this place of bitterness. But the point is that I need to recognize that and say, you know, am I, am I responding or reacting out of this emotional upheaval in me? 
We do that. We, we kind of create walls where our, our, our movements are a reflection of what we think uh, uh, would protect us. And so we raise up walls maybe where we've been hurt or there's been some emotional things going on. And, and so we just kind of guard against that. But, but it's not healing. All it's doing is letting that wound fester. And at some point, that wall's not going to, to, to accomplish what you think it is. It's not going to keep that from happening. No, the, the festering wound will get bigger than your wall. And it will show up when maybe you least expect it, but it will show up when, when something comes in and all of a sudden the, the wall isn't there at all and whatever is done goes right to the wound. And now the wound is going to react and it's going to be bigger than it should be. It will magnify everything that's going on, and it certainly will not help you or those around you. These are just principles that Paul says you need to get rid of those things. Now, there's not, uh, there's not an easy way to do this, folks. You have to, know, you have to do this for you. And, 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 and please notice, it is in the form of an imperative, a command, that this is... This is something that we should be obedient to and taking care of. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And here again is the contrast. Getting rid of all of those things, letting them go, and then not just being neutral, but actually exhibiting kindness and, and, and empathy and understanding. And that's why... Uh, we, we see that response, including all of that, that we, we respond in an understanding way, understanding what will be, benefit those that are nearby, near us, and in the midst of it, and, and then being graceful to them. It can be tough. This is, and keep that kind of in the backdrop. Let's move to James and see what he says as well. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, again, literally, the, the passage is saying, you know, we're close. This is something that, that we're operating from the same foundation by calling them brothers and sisters. James does that every time he wants to make that kind of point. But literally, he's saying, knowing this. Knowing this. He's saying, operate from the knowledge, not just take note. He's not giving them something that's external. He's saying, you know this, that you should be quick to listen. How much, how much better would things be if, if we were good listeners rather than thinking that we need to be good talkers? Um, and, and, and this is true for all of us. This quick to listen is, it doesn't mean make it quick. It means that that's the first thing you want to do, is, is that you want to engage at the point where you're listening. And not just hearing what's being said, but actually listening. And that, that in and of itself can be very helpful. That Maybe listen to body language, listen to the words, of course, but listen to everything else that's being said. And that's why they say there's an art to listening to be intentional about it, to be attentive, to, to, to understand uh, you know, the, the way body language is speaking. And, and, and you know, I, I've used the example before that um, I, there are times that I will ask Elizabeth about 
you know, hey, is it okay if I go golfing? And I will get, sure, go ahead and go golfing. And, and I'm like, okay, she means that. There are other times I'll say, can I go golfing? With the exact same words, she can say, sure, go ahead and do that. Which one means go ahead and do that? And which one means you probably better rethink what you're, <laughs> what you're going to do? She's not mean about it. I can just tell by body language and tone, and, and I, I've learned to listen. Now, she doesn't do that very often, hardly at all, but there are times. And so we have this conversation, huh? <laughs> oh, sometimes that's true, she said it, and you go anyway, and I deal with the consequences later, that's right. Hey, you don't have, like, unless I give you this lapel mic, you don't get to contribute. So, <laughs> we know that's not true either. So, there, there, there's this art of listening that involves all of that. You know. But it says in all of these situations, this should be the, the thing we do first. That's what it's saying. Do this first. And then slow to speak. It's okay to speak. But, but make sure that it's a, a measured response. And that's what James is saying here. And then, if, if this involves conflict, don't rush to anger. How do you, and, and, and some will say, well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. Your choice to be angry is you. It doesn't mean that, 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 that whatever's done doesn't have that impact and it doesn't stir that in you. But right there at that point, you have a choice to make. Be angry, but don't sin. That means, as Paul said that in Ephesians, he's, he's saying you have a choice to make at the moment that you feel that anger stirred up within you. So slow to become angry. Sometimes it may be warranted that you have that and you're stirred by that. And, and again, be able to evaluate that. But there are sometimes I think that, that I get angry and it's just me. It's just me. And so I have to know that and I have to know that that's, that's something that, that I have to take care of. It may have nothing to do with anything that anyone has done that, that is legitimately... Uh, a cause for anger. That's just me. The next verse he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You can't get there from here. If you react in anger, you cannot get there from here. And in fact, to, to get to the place that you're doing what God requires, you know what you have to do? You have to undo what's been done because of words that were spoken in anger. And you know that's a lot less pleasant than, than just moderating, being, being aware beforehand and choosing wisely, choosing well to represent who you are and, and that you understand that there are bigger goals to get after than just venting my anger to, to whomever in whatever situation. What is it that God desires? Well, we saw that in Ephesians. We know that he wants people built up. We know that he wants our words to be graceful to, to everybody that's listening. And we know that he wants us to be closer to him and to one another in a broad sense. In a, but, but specifically, that means then that, that 
I, I have to know that my anger and expressing my anger does not produce that. It will not get there. What if we just told ourselves that, that you know, when we, when we feel anger, we're in a conflict or quarrel or um, lately I've, I've been aware of someone that we pray with and I, I just have been impacted by the prayer for himself, which is, Lord, just help me to be more patient and, and help me to, 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 to see the way you see, but to be kind and compassionate, the very things that are there, and just making that the positive request. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's right. That's what we need to do, is to have that as the desire of our heart. And, and, I, and I, I appreciate that because it represents this, reflects this in that, in that kind of way. So, so think of this. We're, we're to reflect what God desires. And so the idea of reflecting, James talks about this, is, is not the idea of taking and, you know, imagine holding a mirror this way and just between you and God. Reflecting God is taking that mirror and directing it in a way that when he, when, when he has an impact on us, it has an impact this way. That mirror slanted. But the origin of what is seen has to be God who is impacting our lives. A lot of us are holding a mirror that's slanted, but we're looking this way. We're, and we've talked about this. We're looking at the culture, and that's the source of, 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 of that focus. And so we're, we're kind of letting things go and, and, and trying to transfer that to God. That mirror doesn't work that way. We can try, but our, our, the reflective status that we're to maintain is that, is that God is able to that, that righteous, that, that perspective of God's will is impacting us, and then that is to be reflected then in, in the way we live among those around us. Accomplishing his will, knowing that that's right, a right relationship reflected in, in right behavior. Boy, that, that, that's... So, so, again, that's then how we start looking at everything around us. How, how are you looking at them? How are you, where does this need to be changed? How can I be an agent of growth? How can I be an agent of, uh, of your grace? Tough questions. And, and not easy answers, because each situation is different, and we're different. So someone else can't tell you how to do it, and that's why Paul, I don't, I don't think he, he does that. He just says, but you're responsible for what's going on within you. Take that seriously. Get rid of all the, the, the things that are mentioned, the anger, wrath, and, and, and malice, and slander. Get rid of all of those things, the bitterness. Because... As you hang on to them, they will become points of operation. They will become the mode of operation as, as you hang on to them. Hanging on to them means you're not accepting God's perspective of them. And so 
as we get rid of them, we're saying, yes, God, they don't belong. They don't accomplish the things that you would like to accomplish in me or through me. So as we wrap up this discussion of our emotions, all of your emotions are God-given. That goes back to the foundational issue. All of them are God-given. Doesn't mean they're all healthy. They're part of who you are. They're part of your makeup. Some of them happen as a result of not acknowledging. So like when we get to things of bitterness, I have to recognize that this is me holding on to anger. And, and, and bitterness is, is something that, wow, does it become dangerous to me and to others around me. It, it truly is a good definition of, of what it means to be miserable. And misery, we know, does indeed love company. It wants others to be on its, on its train and on its bandwagon. So is there God-given that we're to be aware then of, of how we respond? They are to teach us. They're there to teach us and to guide us and to lead us in the way that, uh, of righteousness. So as, as, they are, um, as they are a part of what's going on, it's not to control us. What controls us is our identity in Christ and who we are. Uh, in him, the Holy Spirit within us. That then is the controlling factor. And we are to represent then that reality in the midst of our emotions. And when you seek to be his and connected, when you feel the most maybe disconnected and the situation seems out of control, that's what you can control is how closely you walk to the God who loves you and the one who calls you and and as you can control that, that's where you start asking the questions of why, why you even feel that way, but what's going on and how can you best move this forward where it does good, where it provides and supplies the grace that is needed to be better. That's what he calls us to be in the midst of all of those places. So whether it's the anxiety and fear, we've talked about depression, we've talked about the, the, the grief and, and now anger, in all of these areas, and there are more, but in all of these areas, we are to yield and to know that God is the one who wants to show up in the midst, and in the, in the midst of those things and in those moments so that we can be all that he wants us to be. And so that those around us can be impacted by his work in us. Oh, that's a big one. Let God lead and guide. You know where those struggles are. And if you, again, if you have any further questions or discussion that, that needs to happen, please let's do that. Let's keep exploring and and. and, and getting this into place, and sometimes you just need someone to help you with a game plan, then, then let's do that together. Let's not put it off. And Father, may that voice just continue to lead us and guide us. But may we remember also that in those moments where maybe everything else seems out of control, that this is always your invitation to us. to stop and to breathe and, and to know that, that 
this place with you is real and then, Lord, to let it impact us as we continue to listen to your voice. And Father, we would like to stay there, but your voice also bids us to go, to be yours then in every moment, that our lives would be a, a reflection of time spent with you and then to make sure that we come back, to intentionally put Put things aside and, and allow those moments to define us. Sometimes we make it very difficult, Father, and you know that. We make it way too hard. Teach us to trust you. To know the power of your love and, and the fullness of it as it operates in all those places where maybe we even think we're hidden and and, and out of sight to know that we're always yours. Thanks for your love. Thanks for your grace and your mercy. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.